Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Welcome to the Oak Shea Podcast, sitting down with my good friend, Ben from Wad Prep. He's been on the podcast before. We're going to go over his archery season for a couple of reasons. One, he went to three Elk Shape camps in 2022, which is unprecedented. I've never had anyone come to three camps. I figured one would give you enough, but apparently Ben is somewhat of a psycho when it comes to elk hunting, which I totally respect. Anyways, we're also going to have him come on today and talk about his rifle tag that he picked up uh, in Colorado, and it's a crazy story, and it does involve a game warden. You're going to want to check that out. That's going to be towards the end. Appreciate you guys tuning in. You do have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Ours, we're, here's what we're selling. Uh, I'm not selling Numa Vortex Onyx Buck, Matthews Magview Wilderness Athlete Spy Point Kufaru, Crispy Baku BRCC. Black Oba Sheep Feet, The Oak Collective, Fatty Meat Sticks, and Marsupial. I'm not selling that. I'm selling hard work. That's what's for sale. That is our main sponsor. 
is dedication to this elk hunting game and it is a year-round pursuit i will not tolerate any argument about that if you want to do it proper you got to fully commit and i appreciate you guys that are just like me cut from the same cloth hard working and just wanting to make yourself better and leveraging elk hunting here we go this has been and we're diving deep into all the elk hunting what's up guys welcome to the oak shape podcast uh we're having my buddy ben wad prep on today he's been on before i'll drop a link on the first time ben also came to elk shape camps in 2022 and helped us out a ton on the fitness side of things and uh he's like us he's a student of the game except uh he's just really fit and um He's new, but he's like determined. And that's an understatement. What's up, Ben? Hey, man, I'm excited to be here. I think this is actually my third time now. Oh, I, I would believe that. Yeah. How's your morning going? My morning is not as crazy as your morning. I, I hit a workout this morning. Um, I've been doing a bad job, admittedly, of uh, I've been cherry picking too much, man. So I, of course, this workout this morning was awesome. Uh, so <laughs> I went in, but uh, I need to stop cherry picking. So, uh, Anyway, I'm glad I got my workout in and then, uh, yeah, came to the office. I'm actually sitting at Wad Prep headquarters doing a little bit of work here. And uh, I know I reached out to you earlier this week because I was like, Dan, it's podcast time, baby. I got a lot of lessons to share. We're going to get into it. Um, so, so background, if you haven't listened to Ben on this podcast before, you could go back, but we'll give you a quick little recap. Um, ben, give us your breakdown on your really unique job that you've created for yourself. You're quite the businessman. I actually am in, I look up to your skills. Tell us what you do. Well, I appreciate that, man. So I run a company called Wild Prep and we help CrossFitters get better at CrossFit. And I've been running this company for about eight years now and it's fully online and I have a really good team an amazing team, not really good. They're amazing. And thanks to the team, it's allowed me to really lean into uh, hunting, which is my new passion. So I had never hunted a single minute of my life until opening day of September, 2021 in the elk woods for archery elk over the counter in Colorado. And uh, needless to say, since that month, of being in the woods, I have just been an absolute addict. And I've tried to fill a bunch of tags, mostly failures, but some successes. And I've traveled kind of all over the kind of all over the globe. I've stayed in North America, but I've been traveling up to Canada and Mexico, like I've done a bunch of hunts. And uh, yeah, I'm just really trying to be a student of the game. Because like CrossFit, like I help my, you know, customers with, it's the people who are really have a beginner's mindset and they're not afraid to focus on the fundamentals and they're not afraid to basically put up money to practice and to have a coach. Uh, that's kind of what I've tried to do with hunting. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey so far. Mm, yeah. I, I know you briefly, I know that you just had success with a whitetail and archery equipment. I know you smoked a bear this year with your bow, maybe a Turkey in Mexico pigs in Texas. What am I missing? Axis deer in Hawaii. I, I got an axis deer in Hawaii. And I actually, I failed to get uh, a turkey in Mexico, um, man. But I am, I have all kinds of pent up anger for spring turkey this year. But uh, yeah, I think you, you covered it. I've done a few hog hunts with a bow, uh, a couple spot and stock, which was amazing. And then um, archery, axis deer in Hawaii, archery bear in Canada. And then, yeah, I finally put down my first antlered animal uh, this whitetail season back in Maryland with my brother, which was really special because it was my brother and I, and 
literally that that shot uh it was it was an easy shot i'm not gonna say anything about it, it was difficult but the uh the animal like fell literally like 30 feet in front of my brother's tree stand and he was like you know he was like probably like 75 yards away so it was just cool that like i took my shot and then he's texting me he's like oh it's down like oh my god so we got to like really share that together so it was amazing and he actually came out to elk hunt uh this year's 2022 archery season he came out for a week and oh my god we got into some elk while he was here but uh yeah so it's been a really really fun thing to share with my younger brother well i guess we have to go over your archery season this was your second season and i know nothing i don't i know you grinded and i didn't know colorado and who you were with and what your experience was and hunting like let's hear it man it was incredible um so i knew that in order to basically overcome my lack of skill as a bow hunter as an elk hunter specifically, and and just knowing that the only way for me to overcome my learning curve is to go to as many elk-shaped camps as possible, which I did, uh, and also to spend as much time in the woods. So I spent, I think I've been telling people 30, but technically there was one day that I was out of the woods. So 29 days of, or I guess it's the second through the 30th, I don't know the math, but I, I only spent one day of the season out of the woods uh, and that was to basically go pick up my brother to get him on his hunt. But I spent every single day of the season other than one in the woods. And it was incredible. It, the learning curve was outstanding. Uh, I did not, we did not, my buddy Gary and I, uh, we did it together mostly. We did not put down an elk, uh, which admittedly that was my measure of success for a little while there. And that really beat me up because I get to the end of the season completely exhausted we put in i at least I, my um garmin told me i did over 315 miles of hiking in that period and the fact that we ended without an elk down was pretty brutal right but if i actually walk you through the season and talk about how we had i'll just put it this way the final 48 hours of the hunt we had six legal bulls six different legal bulls within 60 yards uh, so first of all, need to work on making sure that we close the distance and, and get our shot angles right. But that much rutting activity, like it was crazy. There was one particular moment on the final day where Gary, uh, because I was shooter because he had already missed three shots. Um, whoa, 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 Gary, you're getting sold out on elk shape podcast and I know Gary. So We'll have to figure that one out. I thought Gary was a gangster, man. Um, Dude, Gary can shoot, man. Yeah. Gary can shoot. Um, 100%. We, I'll have a, I have a specific story about Gary I need to share because another really good uh, lesson for us. But anyway, on that final morning or final day, um, Gary bugled once because he was the caller. I was shooter now. He bugled, and we had three different bulls respond in three different directions and all of them were super angry and we were just like what is this and this is the final morning um and i ended up uh unfortunately my my had one shot opportunity essentially um on a bull one shot opportunity on a legal bull and it was the final morning and i missed it's a shot that i would hit seven out of ten times probably and uh and obviously the the pressure of the situation the angle of it i can make all kinds of excuses but the bottom line is i 
I failed to execute. Um, and that elk is perfectly fine because I hit a tree right dead center. That tree is dead. Like I nailed it. <laughs> so it was, it was really tough, man. But, uh, but man, I mean, the final, just the final two days were, were worth the whole season. And that's not to mention all of the other times that we had. Um, so starting in the beginning of the season, we were pretty deep, right? So we, we got pretty heavy in the backcountry, and I had found a bachelor bull of a batch bachelor group of bulls the week and a half before the season. I swear to God, there was 35, 35 legal bulls. I counted every single one of them. And I, I like texted a few friends. I'm like, is this normal? <laughs> and they're like, no, that's a big bachelor group. And I'm like, I swear hand to God, 35 that I counted one, two, three, four, five. They were all like in a row. And, you know, everyone's like, Hey, they're going to break up by the time the season starts. And I'm like, I I'm sure they are, but I, I have a hard time believing 35 will be poof, all individuals. And sure enough, when we got back for the season, uh, in the first, in the first, like, I think like day and a half. So like 36 hours, 21 different legal bulls that I counted. But they, not no no talking no no like rutting action all they were all these groups of like there was like a group of seven bulls over here there was a group of six over here a group of four over here so like that big group did break apart into smaller groups um, and frankly we just <laughs> Gary and I just couldn't get close to them man like we got we got within a hundred yards a few times but you know we'd get winded or they just they beat us over over a ridge or something like that but. The bottom line is we were we were inundated with bulls and there was not a single peep, not not a single noise coming from any of the elk anywhere. Um, so we stayed relatively quiet. Had a couple had a couple opportunities just trying to catch them in transition zones. We're like, hey, we know they feed down here. Um, so in the evening when they're coming out of their beds and, and coming down to feed, we're gonna try to cut them off. So we did some sits, uh, we did some spot and stalks. Um, I called in one for Gary where we realized that like raking was getting him fired up, no actual like calling really, but just like beating the shit out of a tree was, was getting him fired up. <laughs> I called in one, this was on like, I think day six or something like that. We had these two big bulls. I mean, big for us, anything legal is big by the way, for me, but we had uh -huh. these, these were actually big bulls. They were right. just kind of battered up. I think there was two or three of them, but two of them kept sparring and just having a good time, just arm wrestling, you know, and we get up, real close to them because they didn't give a, a rat's ass about our noise because there were so many like actual moo cows around so we're just like we kind of like run up behind them and they go over this ridge and we get in behind them and i find this bush gary gets into position and i'm raking i'm going crazy and then sure enough man uh and of course as as the caller i did not know this was happening right so i just get a debrief from gary but a bull one of the bulls uh, we kind of like spooked him a little bit because there was a muley up there that like blew at us and was freaking out. So they kind of spooked with the muley, but I raked and I did a couple cow calls and I got a bull to come and it was walking perfect, like exactly the way that we learned. He was in position. It was about to come out broadside at 20 yards and Gary draws his bow. And when he draws his bow, his knock comes off the arrow and his arrow goes ding, 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 ding just like his arrow falls and he's got a knot <clears throat> on his string. And, and of course that noise, the bull spooks up the hill and walks away and I'm oblivious. I'm just raking, I'm calling, you know, whatever. And then basically Gary came and gave me a debrief and I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> so 
that was crazy. The only wow. thing that we could explain is like for when he was getting into position, maybe like the way that he was holding his arrow, like a broad, the broadhead like got caught on something when like, we can't really describe it. We have no idea what happened, but the bottom line is that his knock fell out. And of course, like I went and tested his other knocks. Like they were maybe, I mean, I wouldn't call them loose, but they weren't super tight. They were certainly a little bit looser than mine, but holy crap, man. Like that's just something we never even knew was a possibility. And it definitely blew that, you know, chance at 20 yards broadside on, on a pretty big five by five. And that was just one of many encounters that we completely ruined. Um, so yeah, you know, my dad as, uh, I hate to sell him out, but I'm going to sell my dad out. I've, I've been his caller a lot. And, um, one mistake that he's made multiple times is that bull's coming in broadside at 20 yards. And I generally set up where I can see him. There's been times where you, I've been blind and just kind of just, you know, it's more open country. We need more distance, but I have watched him just turn into Superman and pull his bow back so aggressively that his arrow bumps off the rest on the way back. Like he could pull his bow back a thousand times and that doesn't happen. But if a bull steps out, I would almost say five out of 10 times, he's going to make the same mistake. I don't know. He just gets so excited and got to get that bow ripped back. And then he's at full draw with an arrow dangling off the rest to the side. And it's just like, it's a shit show. So, you know, if you're not getting excited, you shouldn't be out there, right? So it's, I mean, you just got to learn to put some, where to add ice in the veins when necessary, you know, and it's just going to come with reps. You're just going to come with reps. That's pretty cool. You know, guys listening, his buddy Gary is like a shit brick house fitness stud, uh, just a really cool guy to be around. Um, so we're not making fun of him, man. Like this is like, and, and he's killed elk, right? He, he has not killed an oh, elk yet. Okay. So he's a virgin. He is, but dude, I mean, I mean, you talk about tack heroes and stuff like that. Like he'll never say this, but like he kicked all of our asses attack. Like that really? boy can shoot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, it's a situation where it's like, he, he just was like, what the, like, you know, ding, 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 ding. As this arrow's falling off his rest. And he's just like, what, like first time that's ever happened to either of us ever. Um, and it, it was brutal. Man. Yeah. I've never heard of that happening. And I can totally believe that. Yeah. I think the broadhead probably did get caught on something for that, or it was just loose and he didn't notice it, but that's kind of doubtful. Right. Um, just, just something that, you know, it, it, the bottom line is like w any sort of potential room for error, it will be exploited at some point. And that was one, and we're going to learn from it. Right. Amen. So, and I got a lot more lessons to, to teach here. <laughs> so here we go. That was, that was one encounter that doesn't even count as one of his misses. Um, and again, this is no knock on Gary, man. Like I, I fully, if it was, if I was the shooter, he's just been doing it longer than me. So I was caller for the majority of the time. Um, and he was shooter and like a lot of these situations that he was in, it's like, yeah, these are tough shots. And, and I understand how he missed. So the, 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 the other main one, this was, so two, two of the shots uh, that were missed for him, uh, were cows. And then we each missed a bull. Okay. Um, so the, the next miss for, or basically this was like the best opportunity this season. I think we are on this where this is like fast forward, probably a couple weeks. They're starting to rut. Um, we, we find a herd, like, let's just say away from the beaten path. Um, because of course, muzzle loaders had absolutely blown up the spot. Like it was, I got out, like, I won't be hunting in that spot. I'll hunt it 
I'll hunt it really hard in the beginning of the year, but as soon as muzzle loaders are in there, I mean, I didn't hardly see a, an elk. Um, and anyway, so I, we got out of there. It blows loaders. my mind that t- Colorado does that terrible. And then they come in with ATVs and like giant wall tents. Like I'm pretty sure I saw a TV like in a tent, like it was crazy, man. So anyway, we get out of there, but, but you know, Hey, we, we didn't get down on ourselves. It was a little frustrating, but we got, we got on them again. We got on them real good for the last few weeks of the season, uh, last couple of weeks of the season. Anyway. So about mid season, they're starting to rut, dude. It was awesome. I finally like called in, like when I say call in, like u- utilizing all the calls, getting in a bugling war with a big, big bull. Um, and I called in, I kid you not across the, it's like foggy. It's early morning. We're set up. We get into position. I let out one bugle immediately. One calls back and then another one calls back and I'm like, Oh snap, it's on. So then I just start slowly, but surely talking and then increasing and then just getting freaking angry at this bull. And I call this bull in from multiple hundreds of yards away across a field in the fog and i kid you not it's like pretty dense fog and i i hear the bull gary's up he's in position i'm you know i'm bugling i'm i'm cow calling i'm doing all kinds of i'm raking i'm definitely doing some challenge bugles lots of grunts i'm kind of matching his tone and uh i got lots of practice in and eventually i'm just like i'm like oh my god he's getting closer and i kind of like peek out from behind my bush and there is a stud just like walking through the fog slowly directly to me and i like i almost melted and then i was like ah panic so like got back behind this bush and then just kept calling i just kept and i called him all the way in eventually i'm i'm just like this bull cannot be more than 15 yards away from me why is the bull not dead right it had to have walked by gary call it all the way in he starts barking at me right because he's like where are you so he's you know barking at me i'm barking back he's barking at me barking back and he's still like i I think he's only like 15 yards away from me and i'm just like gary what is going on right now eventually Eventually this bull kind of like spooks up and, and runs, you know, goes away. There's only so much time I could just argue with this thing. And then Gary comes back to me and I can just see like, he's like demoralized. And I'm like, I'm just like, bro, what the F, what are you doing up there? Like that thing was so close. And he just looks at me. He's like, I missed. And I was like, what? So I guess like at some point, like when he finally spooked away, um, he, it, Gary had, had shot at him. And what ended up happening is I called it in to nine yards away from Gary. And that's like nine yards is probably a little long. Like it was actually closer than that, but no shot. It was behind a pretty big bush, nine yards on a string. And then Gary, when this, this bull kind of like came directly in, Gary drew and was ready for the bull to pop out on the side of the bush that was like kind of like the obvious path for him to keep coming straight into me and i was you know a good 40 yards back 50 yards back behind him so he was like ready to basically have a point blank shot like we're talking like two yards maybe but the bull never comes and he's at full draw and then he hears the bull talking to me behind him so completely at the back of his head 
So Gary slowly turns at full draw, super, super slow. And by the time he gets eyes on the elk, the elk is looking right at him and kind of is like, like you can tell like what, what's down there, what's moving, what, what's going on. Something's not right. And then there's a bush blocking the shot. So Gary leans back, estimates the yardage. He thinks 35, 40 yards, estimates the yardage, shoot, bull spooks. We ranged it and it was at 22 yards and he shot over its back. Um, and yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> that was a brutal, that was a brutal morning. And actually what's crazy is another bull came in. Um, but that bull spooked kind of with the original bull. So that was, man, that was tough. And that was, I mean, Gary, I mean, I didn't need to give him any shit because he was, he was absolutely freaking. I was on kind of cloud nine. Cause I'm like, that was the craziest experience I've ever seen in my life. I called in a bull from multiple hundreds of yards away. I talked elk for an hour and a half and like did it really well. I thought best practice I've ever had and called them into nine yards, right? Like that was insane. And, uh, and, but obviously Gary was just demoralized. He's like, why did I think that was 40 yards? Like, even if I thought it was 30, that's a dead elk, but Ben, this is super weird for me. Just, I'm like having flashbacks of our first conversation on the podcast. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, okay, you were at the Utah camp. You were at the Texas camp. Did you come to the Oregon camp? I went no. to Oregon. Did you, what other, did you go to two last year? I went to three. Three. Tex, Texas, Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. Wisconsin. Okay. And then what was the other one? Yeah. Dude, Ben, you, <laughs> I don't know how to say it either Dirk or Joel, one of the two are changing your life. Like, dude, you're calling in so many elk right now. Like this wasn't even an option for you in 2021. What, um, I mean, I know the camps are good, but th it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a really good coach build you a template, but they can't do the work for you. Like, did you have diaphragms in every vehicle and i mean like seriously you must be good at calling you're calling in a lot more elk what is like is what was your takeaways like help my listeners understand what it is to go from a complete rook to ha doing like being the best caller for your team yeah i mean that was 100 percent the idea of like i don't listen to music in at least leading up to the season for sure i don't listen to music Right. And when I'm in my car, I'm bugling, I'm cow calling. Um, I made up this thing where in downtown Denver or really any city that I'm in, especially if I have like friends in the car, I'm just like, guys, watch this. And I'll do drive by bugles where I'll like, I'll pull up to like next to a brewery and just like rip a bugle and see how many heads are like, what the, you know, like, and it's, it's so funny because sometimes you'll get people who are like, dude, that was sick. And you're like, all right, that guy hunts. And then other people were just like, what was that? You know, and they're Denver people. So it was just, I do drive-by bugles all the time. I do cow calls. I do, you know, um, but I mean, the main thing. The name of this podcast will be Drive-By Bugles. Yeah, I baby, drive-bys. <laughs> I remember I was up at, uh, where was I? I was in uh, Leadville, Colorado. And uh, Gary had just got done running the Leadville marathon. If that tells you that's the hardest marathon arguably in the world. And he just got done running it. And of course I just go up there so I can eat pizza and hang out. And then like, as we're, as we're like leaving, I'm just like drive by bugling. And you can tell everyone in that town is just like, all right, that guy's getting ready for the season. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of that. And then a lot of like recording 
like recording myself on video, recording audios of myself, and then just like playing back all these other people's audios. Like I did, I downloaded the, um, like the elk nut app was really good. Cause I got that, you know, you can save all the, all the audios and I, I played them all and I basically would play one and then I try to replicate it, play it, try to replicate it. And just, just kind of like, I don't know, just learned about it. And what's crazy, man, is I don't care how much you bugle and cow call the, the elk, especially that like first week. Uh, and I have my buddy, Kurt, uh, he confirmed it. And I think he, you were on his podcast or he was on yours or vice versa. Um, Kurt came out and hunted with me a couple days and I kept telling him, I'm like, these bulls aren't bugling. These bulls sound like moo cows. And he's like, whatever, dude. And then of course he got out there. He's like, these are the craziest elk noises I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, uh, like one elk or, uh, these bull elk weren't, I, and I think it's cause it wasn't the full rut yet, obviously, but like these bull elk were talking to each other and kind of jockeying for position but I kid you not, they were making this noise. Like if you ever heard like a, uh, a moo cow go like, you know, uh, 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 they were doing that. I swear to God, because we were in between them one time, they were doing that. But then at the very, very end, you'd hear like a little bugle. Like they would do like, uh, 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 and then like a little bugle at the end. Like, and we're just like, wait, what? That's an elk. And then sure enough, it, it was an elk because we saw it. So just like crazy stuff like that, man, like no matter how much calling you do, um, you're, you, you won't be prepared until you like cut your teeth in the woods and you actually get around other elk and understand what it sounds like and under, try to get an ear for like how far away is that elk and stuff. Like yeah. That. So that elk nut app, I have it. I love Paul Medell. He's a, he's a good friend. He's crazy. And he called me right before September this year out of the blue. When you pick up his phone call, you might as well just cancel the next hour. You're not going to. Right. Mean, I get that. I get okay. that vibe. <laughs> okay. So I, I answered it and um, he's just a badass dude. He's so cool. But I wanted to talk, talk about his app. I think it's 20 bucks or 30 bucks maybe, but you can download all his playbooks. So it does work offline. And then one of the features you just mentioned, just so you guys, if you didn't catch that is he's got a way on his app where you can record and compare and contrast your sounds to real sounds and Paul real sounds, sounds and, and calls that he's done. Paul's not the greatest out caller I've ever heard in real life, uh, but he's got the capacity to make all the sounds. And what separates him from everybody is he knows when to make those sounds. And so if Paul is not the most crisp elk communicator, yet he makes the right sounds and knows when to do them, that gives guys like me hope where I'm admittedly not the best elk sounding guy the timing is like the amount of stuff that gary and i learned about the timing of like hey like 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 an estrus buzz right like you know we hadn't really heard too much about that but paul talks about it a little bit and then like we heard our first one yes it sounded horrible like it sounded like like we're trying to like mimic what we've heard on the app and what we've heard other people do and it's like oh we're not quite there and then we actually hear a cow do it once uh, when we were on a pretty good herd. And I was just like, oh man, that was, that sounded horrible. Any buzz works. And then we started doing it. And for what, like, just cause we heard a cow do it, we're like, yeah, let's try it. Oh my gosh. Like it was crazy how much, how it would get them so fired up. So it's just, it's so interesting that like, yeah, you hear these beautiful bugles, but like actually in the woods, like I would argue like a few of the elk that we were listening to were like, is that a bugle tube? 
And of course, we're like, nope, that's real. It just sounds horrible. Um, so I guess I don't need to put quite as much pressure on myself to sound perfect. It's more of like knowing when to use different versions of, of these calls. And, and that was a huge learning curve. Here at Oakshape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code ELKSHAPE20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier. Discount code ELKSHAPE22 will take 30% off your first purchase. Spy Point Trail Cameras, Trail Camology. Trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout, figure out game densities, and understand animal behavior. And they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on. Kafaru International. The Hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting. I don't even know how many elk I've packed out with that pack, but I always can count on it. The frame is in a league of its own, and Aaron Snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in. Crispy Boots, Crispy USA, Crispy Hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period. Lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a Crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters, by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company, coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 15% off. BlackOvis.com is where I do all my shopping, and I use my own discount code, which is ELKSHAPE. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheep Feet Orthotics for the Hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com. Digital elk hunting education, video driven. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word, to save a few bucks and get to learning. Fatty meat sticks from Smokewood. These are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best bino packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them Mm -hmm, yeah and i i still believe that all elk sounds work a lot better when you're in tight with elk versus you know you just have to be in that specific bubble for these sounds to make, you know, manipulate their behavior in your favor. Uh, whereas if you're just outside that bubble, they're not going to have the same effect. And uh, which makes me go back one more step, Ben, and that's you got to be in elk every day 
That's my rule. That's my doctrine. I've said it on YouTube. I say it at camps and I like, it's not easy, Ben, for me to be into elk every day. In fact, it does require high levels of just probably not intelligent, not intelligent decision-making on my part for longevity, but, uh, were you into elk every day? That's my question for you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, we actually, I have a full log and it's in my notes here somewhere where I, I literally had a, a log of every single day. And out of the, I guess, technically 29 days of actual like hunt, obviously I was out a couple of days early scouting, but 29 days of actual hunting out of those 29 days, I think there was only one day where I didn't see an elk under 200 yards. So most of the days, I think like we, we, uh, and in, we listen to a lot of Baxter Bowman podcasts cause he's, you know, super beginner, um, listen to a bunch of his podcasts, uh, leading up to the season. Cause we're just like, man, this beginner guy asked the right questions. Cause we don't know anything. Um, anyway, so listen to a bunch of those podcasts. He talks about like an elk, an elk encounter. He counts it if it's under a hundred yards. And in our first seven days, we had nine encounters under a hundred yards. Um, that's just like getting within a hundred yards of an elk. That's stats, man. Those are good stats that lead to the outcome you're looking for. I'm in the same boat. Like I, I, every year I remind myself about two hours into an elk hunt. This shit's hard. I don't know how I've ever killed an elk. I say that every year to myself. I don't know. I've ever done this. The one thing that I is my takeaway after hunting with other people is that, and I'm not tooting my own horn, man. Cause I'm like not a great elk caller. I'm not a great archer. I have a high level of whatever. I don't know. Determination to get into elk every day. And that a lot of times that means not sleeping or hiking way too far and way too long and, and night bugling and, and whatever it takes, I'm going to like, and being mobile. So I guess my check boxes for you, cause you've been to three camps now is like, how would you give yourself a grade on a couple of those things I mentioned? Let's just start with obviously calling you've improved it so much and it's working super proud of you. Um, how would you give your, you were into elk almost every day and having encounters. That's an A. What would you give yourself on pounding the same country versus being mobile? We were super mobile. Um, so that was, a, that was a very high score for us. Like we, we hunted, a, like it was actually interesting. Like Gary and I both pointed out how it was like, we actually felt frustrated which, with how much time we were spending in the truck compared to like everybody, like I, like he and I both love this idea of like this romantic idea of like going super deep and living in the woods for seven days at a time. And, you know, like really getting in them. And we realized like, nah, the way we're going to get in them is if we move with the truck all the time. And that's, that's the, basically once muzzleloader came out, it's like, we were, we were truck camping most of the time and, and it got us on elk. And then in terms, like you, Dan, you always say, and this was going through my head, man, cause we had so many low points during the season no stone unturned. Right. Uh, and I actually have a really good story about that. So this is second to last day of the season. Um, cause I can't just diss on Gary, right. Gary is an incredible hunting partner. Um, yeah, we both suck <laughs> at our, at our moments. And this is a, a point where I suck. So, uh, second to last day of the season, we get into a bull that is so angry at us and we get into calling battle for, I kid you not like a couple hours, and we didn't realize we were too dumb to know 
that the bull couldn't come to us because it was across a ridiculous ravine. Oh, okay. So we're just having this match and I'm like set up and it's just like, it sounds like it's getting closer a little bit, but then kind of not. And then I realized like I had eyes on it. It was just like when it would turn its head and then it would come down a little bit, but then back up. And I saw all these cows and then there's multiple bulls yelling at us. And we're like, Oh my God. And then I like looked at the map. I'm like, ah, Hey Gary, <laughs> you know, there's a giant ravine in between us and, the, and him. And he, and I kudos to Gary, man. Cause I was like, man, all right. Like, I guess we'll just like come back tomorrow. Cause we only had probably like, we legitimately had an hour of daylight left maybe. And Gary's just like, F it. Let's go. Yes. So we, send send it, it. we send it down, down this ravine, like falling, like uh, we're falling. It's just <laughs> slick mud, dirt. And then we scramble like, kid you not like bow on our backs, like all four scramble up the side yes. of the ravine. We get to where kind of we, we think they last were, you know, maybe like about like 75 yards off. Gary gets set up. I get into position. Okay. So Gary sees me move up and I tell him where I'm going to be. And he's back calling. He lets out, he rips a bugle, immediate response. And we're just like, oh shit. Cause there's maybe 30 minutes left of, of light and immediate response. And he does it again, immediate response. And he's coming in on a string. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm, I'm like checking the wind, checking the wind. And I'm just like, I am not in good position right now with this wind, where this elk is coming from. And then finally I saw horns and I was like, I'm not in good position. And I saw a bunch of cows with him too. So this was like the herd bull. And I'm like, oh my God. And Gary's crushing it. Right. So he's called, he's doing the right thing. He's not being too aggressive, but he's doing enough to get this bull curious and, and move his whole freaking herd over to us. So we so I see this bull and I'm like, I am not in good position. The wind, is, so I move while this bull's coming in. I move up, I jockey for position and I end up getting, I move like a few trees up, find a couple shooting lanes and I see this bull raking, Gary's raking, like he's fired up. I see all these cows with him, and I'm just like, oh my, and the wind is still like, ugh. the wind is just like not necessarily where I want it, but it's decent if he keeps coming. So he keeps coming, keeps coming. I have... I wouldn't even say I had a shot. He was at 42 yards, but like there was so much brush that would have been a very unethical shot. So I didn't take it. But I was like, if he keeps coming on the same line or even remotely close, he's going to pop up at this clearing at between 20 and 30 yards and he's freaking mine. It'll be broadside. Let's go. And he gets kind of like behind the trees. He's probably at 40 yards now working his way. And then Gary stops. Gary goes completely silent. And I am like, what is that? like? I am starting to lose my mind. I start like at in reach him. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like it's, I'm just losing my mind right now. Um, and then eventually I hear, and the whole group of cows had winded me. So they start running away. The bull, I can see his antlers. He starts pulling away. And then I'm just like, mirror, mirror, mirror. You know, like I try to, and I stop them kind of. And then they sort of walk away rather than stampede away. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, why did you go silent, Gary? Like, and then Gary like walks up to me and I've never seen him so angry in my entire life. He's like, where the F were you? Like, like essentially yelling, but not yelling. But like, you could tell he was, I've never seen him so angry in my life. It's like, called whisper what? yelling. I love it. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you stopped. He was coming in on a string. And then these words cut deep. Because he's like, Ben, I just called a bull 
to 10 yards for you and you weren't effing there. And I was like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, another bull, yep. not the one that I had eyes on, another bull had come in perfectly that if I had never moved to follow the initial bull that was sounding off, if I had just stayed put and stayed patient, I would have, would have had a 10-yard broadside shot on a big five-by-five. Five. Yeah, I'm with Gary on this one. And the only reason I am is because I, I got to call for Jake um, Webb this year. He's my buddy who helps me with content and... Um, He's never had anyone call for him. He's killed two bulls solo, both like vocalizations in Montana calling in solo. You know, he helped me pack out my third bull. And, you know, I was that Montana bull. And he was like, he's like, are you going home? And I said, well, I kind of want to. I haven't seen my family, but I'm going to stick around. I'm going to call for you, you know, for a couple days. I'll, I'll give you two days until that meet. I need to get home. He's like, deal. Well, that was a shit show in, in itself because he took me to his spot and he ended up taking me. He he got in trouble from the game warden. I'll I tell heard you that story. Okay, yeah, I heard yeah. that. So anyways, I'm filming him and I'm calling, but I'm mainly calling. I'm not really interested in filming. I'm like, I just want him to get a bull really bad because he's just a hardworking, good dude like you, man. He's just surround yourself with good people. So anyways, we got um, a bull and probably two satellites. No, for sure. Two satellites um, at the top of the highest mountain. And we're at the bottom. So we just cut the distance in half. And then I'm just kind of, I haven't introduced a bugle. And, and I try not to, I save my bugle as my ace in the hole for most Until instances. the very end. Yeah. yeah. And so I just hit a couple more cow calls and I get all three to answer. And I can tell which one's a herd bull. You would too. You'd be like, okay, we cut the distance. We're probably now 200 yards at the most, but it's like a steep 200 yards. And it's not, it's kind of timber, but it's about to bleed out to open timberless and that's where the elk are feeding and it's in the evening and we have the wind and everything's great and i'm like i was kind of hoping jake would want to go after one of these satellites just because i knew i could call him in really quick he's like now nah, let's go after the herd bull and i'm Sign like me you. up for the satellites baby anyways we get the herd bull worked up and um uh, eventually i say i'm like all right man i i'm like you gotta have to get set up right here and so i generally like to set up as the caller and then I'm like, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay within this 20, 30 yard radius. And the bull's going to be wanting to see what I am about there or there. So you have to set up off those two hang up spots. I don't like setting up the shooter and backing up. Um, and that's something I've kind of learned from Joel Turner. And it makes a lot of sense. So we now set up off the caller, not the other way. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to call from here. And I just told Jake, go right there. That's where you'll get your shot. This is where he'll want to see me. And Anyways, I call the bull in and he's a broke off five by five, but he's gnarly. He's cool. And I'm filming him on my phone, 30, 35, 40. And I'm cow calling him. Every time I'm cow calling, I'm like, kind of like just waiting for the arrow to go through him. This is going to be sick shot. Uh, and it never happens. And eventually the bull works his way around behind me. And now he's going to like get my wind. So I had to move. I find Jake and I'm like, I'm Gary. I'm like, what the F are you doing? Where are, why didn't you shoot that bull? Are you passing on bulls now? And, and he's like, no, I like, I moved up and, yep. I was, and I'm like, you suck. I'm not calling You're for you anymore. Gary was so angry. He's like, if you ever move up again, like I will disown you. Like he was so angry. So uh, I feel you, man. If you move up without your caller knowing, um, I'll put it to you this way. Like we did it a couple times and both times it was, it bit us in the butt. You know, it's like, if we had just stayed, stayed patient, I, I, I think it would have come in. You know, I think for me, I was just like, wind is everything. Wind is everything. My wind, like I see the bull that's talking to us 
and I know my wind is not good and I know I won't have a shot if he comes in. So I was just like, I got to move, especially like second to last day of the season. I'm, I'm hunting hard. And what's so funny is that if I just had stayed put, I would have been able to shoot that satellite. And he was like, that satellite was just as big as the other bull. Um, how was your walk of shame from there? Because 99% of the hunters that I've encountered would not have, they would have justified putting those elk on ice and not, you know, there's less than an hour. We're going to lose a ton of elevation. We have to gain a bunch. Uh, we might not even get to them. They might not be there. And then we got to walk even further in the dark in the, and I'm scared of the dark. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to be honest with you. And what's crazy is like, we fired the herd. Like he called the herd back in. He called another satellite back in just no shots. Like I had one, like 62 yards through some timber ish. And it's like, man, like I, I really was like, I want to make sure I have a controlled shot, you know, yeah. like I want to make sure just like Joel Turner says, like, I'm not here to send a hail Mary through the trees and injure something. So, uh, so anyway, uh, we just kept calling him and had a, a bugle battle until the very, until it was dark. And then we we're just like, all right, let's leave. But like, we did not say, I just like looked at my Onyx and walked straight to the truck and we didn't talk for an hour and a half walk to the truck. I didn't even know where he was. I was like, we're not hiking together. Like we were so angry at each other because i was like you know i thought i was in the right he thought he was in the right or you know i was in the wrong um you know obviously like yeah i i was in the wrong because if i just stayed put <laughs> i probably would have arrowed a bull Man. at 10 yards um if you're not almost choking your hunting partner out at some point you guys aren't good hunting partners like there's got to be some raw emotion i know my dad and i have literally looked at each other and i'll bleep these out but he's like you dan and i'm like you dad and it's like we just walk away we talk to each other back at camp that night and uh and then the next day it's like it never happened but it's like that kind of energy and emotion i think needs to be present we had a full like it was actually really like it just shows how good of friends we are you know like we're best friends like we got back to the truck and then like took a deep breath and i was just like like i can be angry and pissy or i can just be like let's debrief this so we just, we had a full blown driving out of that spot. We were just like, all right, man, like, like, what do we mess up? What could we have done differently? I mean, like the huge obvious one was like, we just, that bull was hung up for so long. Like we should have moved in on that ravine a long time ago. So we would have had a lot more time with safe shooting light. Not like the pressure and the rush of everything, I think is what made me want to move up and, and get bad position. So uh, just, it was really cool that we were able to come back together, but the, the hike back really helped us settle our, our anger down. Um, and then the next morning, um, is when I missed, um, missed a bull. And that was kind of the situation where, um, man, when they're rutting, don't ever underestimate how fast they can come in. That's a lesson for all the newbie hunters all season, all the, all the bugling and calling action had been relatively like, had been like, you know, like I mentioned that one where it's walking through the fog, like the bull was walking in. Right. And, and this, this one uh, that I just mentioned, the bull was kind of walking and meandering in. And so we are idiots and we think that's how bulls come into calls. Well, final morning, guess what? We start, we get into a different position because we had another herd located. We're like, well, we kind of blew up that herd. Let's go try our other one that we have located that no one's hunting. So we get in on this herd and we're just like, all right, like, let's let out a bugle, see if like, we're like, of course, they're not going to be as fired up as they were yesterday. You know, obviously Gary lets out a bugle and, you know, we hear this very distant bugle back immediately. And we're like, all right, it's on like, heck yeah. 
Like we know there's a few bulls in this herd, like let's do it. And we keep walking on the path. You know, there's like this hiking trail, keep walking, 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 walking. And we're walking about to like crest the hill. Like we're just starting to slow down and we're like, all right, um, you know, like I'm going to peek up over this hill and probably a few hundred yards away. Cause when he first bugled, he was really far away. He's probably a few hundred yards away as we're getting in position or not even getting in position. We're like walking, like we're just walking like loudly on this trail and I'm about to peek my head over. It screams no more than 20 yards away from us. And Gary and I panic, like, like it screamed. I've never heard bugle so loud. And it's on the, it's literally on the trail that we are walking on. So we just jump off a cliff. <laughs> so, so I jump off the cliff. Gary runs back and jumps off a cliff because he's smart enough. He had enough wherewithal to be like, at least I'm going to move back a little bit to try to call. And we jump off this cliff and, and it's, it was all mud. So there wasn't any rocks or anything, but like we jump off the cliff and it's like the whole thing's like slides. <laughs> so there's like, so all this noise and rocks are just tumbling down like below us. And, and then we're just sitting there and we kind of let it settle. And then Gary's like, Meow, you know, and then the bull bugles back and it's still there. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's still there. And I can see his horns. He like comes out to 20 yards, no shot tree in the way, but I see his horns and he's kind of, he's like coming to the window and he's like, looking, 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 doesn't see anything circles back. Again, he's all blocked by trees circles back, gets out to about, 45 yards and stops and he's still behind trees but i can see him and i was like dude if he takes four steps forward right he, there's going to be a shooting lane and he's mine so i'm ranging 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 like check it like nine times gary gary's still calling he's doing it perfectly he's still re he's not really responding but you could tell he's fired up he's like too close to respond almost but gary's still like meow, meow, you know like trying to put calls back behind him and I'm just like shaking. I'm also, by the way, on the, like on the side of a mountain, like we're like, I'm essentially like I'm standing straight up kind of. And like my feet are the same distance as my head is away from the dirt. If that makes sense. Like yeah. it's a vertical wall of dirt, essentially my knees are in the dirt and that's the only way I was able to get separation. So sure enough, this bull walks exactly where I want and it stops and I'm already drawn I'm ready. I have it. And I start getting into my shot sequence. And I don't know if I just missed my initial reaction. My memory was that I, I literally slipped like my right, my right toe. I used my right toe to like, cause my bubble was like all the way, like my bubble was completely <laughs> torqued. So I used my right toe to push off the side of the cliff and got my bubble where it was. And then my, like it, I, I think I remember it that way. The bottom line is I freaking missed and I hit a tree, right? So mm. who, excuses aside, like I messed up. I did not execute the shot and it, I had lighted knocks and it just goes right into a tree and then he spooks down. And I just turned to Gary and I just put my hands, like put my head in my hands like this. And he's just like, oh. you could see he just felt for me. And, yeah. you know, it's like, this was my first shot. He had already missed three that season and it, it you know, I was, I was trying not to give him too much shit. I know it was eating him up, but it's like, hey, man, I'm right there with you, buddy. Like, I, I, I mess up big, in a big way, too. And that's two times in the last 48 hours. Um, ended up getting a few more shot opportunities on bulls that we completely messed up uh, later that day. The one that we did perfectly, 
Okay. Absolutely perfectly drawn range. I was about to let an arrow go. It was a spike, obviously. Um, and you can't shoot those in Colorado, but, um, man, it, that was September was mind blowing. And honestly, like these stories only scratch the surface of all the other, uh, learning opportunities. Um, I have one more that I really want to get into and that's never, ever, ever, ever assume that the bugles you are hearing are your hunting partner or another hunter. Um, my brother's first morning in the elk woods was the most insane bugle match with the herd bull, the one, the big daddy. And what ended up happening is my brother and I split off to go down this way. Gary went another way. Eventually we were like, Hey, let's meet up. Like let's, let's, let's regather and regroup because the, the herd has passed us. So we try to meet up. Gary sees a couple other hunters that he thinks are Drew and I. So he runs up to, to get them. We see Gary, we try to meet up where we say we're going to meet up and he's not there. And then we hear like all these bugles and we're just, and we hear like, we bugle, he bugles. And we're just like, it's like, Gary's messing with us. This is Drew's first day. We're about to go, you know, eat some snacks and regroup. Like Gary's totally messing with Drew. Um, and I get into like this crazy bugle match with Drew next to me with Gary or so I think, cause it was so unrealistic. It was like, I rake, it rakes, I bugle, it bugles. I do some ridiculous bugle. It does the same sort of crazy bugle back. And then it started getting closer and I'm, and I'm text like texting Gary, like, where are you, dude? Like, stop messing with me. And then sure enough, a, a bugle rips out. And I just turned to Drew. I'm like, Drew, Gary can't bugle like that. <laughs> like Gary can call, but that ain't Gary. And long story short, what we eventually deep, it was the same thing. Like when we finally meet back up, I was like, dude, what the F man? Like, why are you, why are you messing with us so much? And he's like, Ben, I just watched the herd bull go back and forth on the trail coming to my bugles and then coming to your bugles. And all we did was pull it back and forth. Oh my God. We were pulling it back and forth. It would come to Gary when he was doing an estrus buzz. And then it would come to me and start raking when I would rake and bugle. And it was just going back and forth and back and forth. And then eventually winded me. And that was like literally the angriest I'd ever been at Gary ever. And it turned into the angriest I'd ever been at just us ourselves, you know, cause like, we, like I was a hundred percent drew had no idea what was going on. It was first day in the elk woods. I was 100% convinced that it was Gary messing with us because of how ridiculous the bugle match was. Like some of the bugles I heard, I was like, okay, all right, a double bugle. Come on, Gary. You know, and then sure enough, it was the herd bull and Ugh. we totally messed it up. Elk Shape Camps 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to NUMA HQ. 
Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April 2nd. This is in SoCal, right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk-shaped camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an elk shape camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past. Email us to inquire within. Hey, if you think there's no like pro status on elk hunting. Okay, Ben, like these aren't amateur mistakes. Like these are just mistakes that we all make and are susceptible to make year in and year out. Elk hunting is just freaking awesome. That's why we're hooked. I'm guilty, especially this year, of disregarding a bugle as a hunter only to find out that I'm dead wrong. That's not a three-note Terminator bugle from Primos. That's an actual bull who just sounds like that. Let's get into you did have success. You did kill an elk. Your freezer is stocked full of elk meat. We got to get into that story as well, man. Let's talk about it because this, you know, for those still listening, this is uh, both both the most awesome and the worst uh, hunting experience of my life uh, and a big lesson learned. So I got a rifle tag and, um, you know, basically the whole goal was to put meat on the table. It's a cow tag, uh, fourth rifle in Colorado. Gary and I were planning to hunt together and celebrate Thanksgiving with his buddy who lives in the unit that we we're hunting. And uh, a couple days before uh, the hunt, Gary's wife had some medical issues. So he's like, hey, guys, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And it was just me. So it was me driving around blasting from the road found a massive herd because now they're herded up in the hundreds. So I found a herd of at least 300. Um, that also every single other hunter in the entire valley found. So opening morning, 40 plus hunters descend on this one herd. And of course, they're gone. Not a single shot was fired. Um, I've never like day one of, of rifle season. I'm like, I don't like rifle hunters, <laughs> right? Like, I was like, these are not my people. This is not my jam. Like, uh, you know, and I know there, I met some great people. Okay. Don't get me wrong, but it was very frustrating. Just not not as much uh politeness and and just like i mean even like some trash at the trailhead this is like i don't know the the vibe i got from some people was like this is what gives hunters a bad name sometimes and i'm not i'm sure there's some archery hunters like this i know there's muzzle loaders like this i know there's rifle hunters that are the most ethical awesome people so like it's just like it was very frustrating to me what i saw out there yeah, um, it's just it was your just, observation man that's all it is guys yeah. okay so it was crazy Anyway, everyone's following this herd. They're on private for the whole season. So I'm trying to find some other herds, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, this big herd that had been on private for most of the season after that first morning starts moving in the direction of my, my buddy's house that I was staying at. And he was just like, hey, man, like, if that herd is coming this way, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they're in this ranch by tomorrow morning. And when they inevitably get bumped off this ranch, they're probably going to run through this one section of, of public land. And it's like this notch of public land. And I was just like, all right, man. So I got up like I was getting, I was getting up at like three 30 in the morning. Sunrise isn't until seven, but I was getting up that early just to go listen for elk because they were still bugling their faces off. And I have a video that I'll have to send you of a bull breeding on November 22nd, like sniffing, pushing cows around. So they're still bugling. So when I wake up in the morning, they're going crazy. So I'm just getting up, rolling my window down and it's dead quiet. And I just listen. Sure enough, that morning, um, this is Saturday morning, they were on that ranch, like my buddy had told me. So I'm like, I'm going to trust what he says. I'm going to go get in position before anyone can road glass these elk. No one has any idea where they are except for me, probably. So I get into position, I set up and it's freezing. It's like eight degrees out. Anyway, as the sun's rising, it's first light. I'm hearing like I hear them and they're coming closer. I hear a bugle and they're getting louder, getting louder, getting louder. I'm also seeing and hearing trucks, trucks, trucks going to the trailhead behind me. And I'm like, oh man, like I don't even want to turn around, but I guarantee there's a bunch of orange behind me. It's a pumpkin patch, but hopefully no one shoots over me. I think people can see me, but I'm pretty sure I'm in perfect position. And then sure enough, I've been glassing like this, this basically it's like a notch of land where in the middle is the high spot. I'm glassing, glassing, glassing. And I see one cow come out and then there's 300 heads behind it. So I have the lead cow and I start ranging. Range finder does not function. Googled it. It's a thing. Don't ever keep your range finder in your truck overnight when it's one degrees out. My range finder did not work. I got no ranges. It was nothing because there's actually a temperature range where the range finder works. Had no freaking idea. So I have no idea how far this elk is away. I had gotten one range on one bush earlier that morning before I realized that my range finder would not function when I really needed it. I got one range on one bush and it was at like 380 yards. So I'm like, this girl's at 350 and I better get moving because I just heard 15 trucks get to the trailhead. I know there's people behind me and there's, I bet you there's people coming up from down South. Like there was a small plot of public land. Everyone's coming for it. Everyone can see these elk. So without ranging, I get ready, get positioned, take a shaking my boots off shot at this lead cow and shoot and essentially no reaction. And all she does is run down the hill. She runs down the hill to my left. The entire herd, 300 plus elk, spook and go stampede back to the right. So there's one elk down in the valley to my left out of sight. And now the whole herd is back to my right out of sight. And I'm shaking like a leaf, both from being cold and the adrenaline dump. And I'm in the pit of my stomach. I'm like, I missed. I completely missed. I'm sure I misranged it. I freaking missed my one shot and spooked the entire herd for every other hunter here. I'm a failure and I hate my life. And I turn around and I kid you not, this is my first time turning around. Kid you not, there's five, five orange hunters standing there like all like kind of clapping, like, good job. And I'm just like, oh my God. So three of them walk up to me. They like come along the trail. They walk up to me and I'm talking to them. They're like, we heard a shot, man. Like, how'd it go? I'm like, did you guys see where the lead cow went? And they they were like, ooh, 
is that the one you were shooting at? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they're like, she ran down that way. I don't know, man. Like I, we didn't see any blood. We don't think she shot. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I missed guys. And then as I'm talking, I'm about to get up and like go investigate because obviously all the elk are gone, right? I'm about to walk, I, like getting up, about to, I'm talking to them, learn their names. And I'm like give, giving it some time about to go walk where the shot was. And there she comes back up the ridge. And she comes up the ridge in the exact same position that I shot her, literally stops on the trail in the exact spot that I released my bullet. And I turned to the guys, I'm like, guys, I missed her once. Who wants her? And they're all like, all of them were just like, no, man, she's yours. And I'm like, okay, don't have time to talk about it. Get down. I actually got them to range it for me. Boom, shot it. What was the range? Say what? What was the range? Like 280. Ah, okay. Okay. So you shot high on the first shot. Okay. No comment. We'll get there. So okay. shoot this elk. Terrible shot. I'm because I'm I rushed. It was horrible. Joel Turner, I apologize. It was a disaster. Spined it. It goes down, but she still has her head up. So I'm right. And I'm like, I'm like, and they're like, she's down. And I'm like shaking. I'm like, Oh my God, thank God she's down. And, and I was like, should I put another one in her? And they're like, no, you're good. And then her head pops up and she's kind of sitting there and they're like, yeah, put another one in her. So rack another one working on getting the range. My range finder's not working. I'm like, Hey guys, can you help me here? <laughs> they range for me. I'm about to, I'm like in my trigger sequence, the entire herd comes between us and the one that's down on the ground because they probably saw her there and they came back and like, Hey, what are you doing? The entire herd comes between us four hunters and the elk that is down, but still alive, unfortunately, because again, I spined her. And then I give the shooting sticks that the guy had lent me back to the, the guy, his name was Joel, longer hair, young guy, all right. And at my age, um, and then all three of the hunters set up, and they're just like, I, got, I don't have a shot. I don't have a shot. Don't have a shot. I'm ranging using the other guy's range finder, calling out ranges. And I just kept, I'm like whispering there. I'm like, be patient, guys. There's a huge, it's a huge herd. There will be some stragglers. Be patient. And then finally, Joel, the younger guy next to me is like, I got a shot. And they were both like, none of these hunters knew each other, by the way. They were both like, take it. So boom, shot rings out. And then a stampede dumps down to the left. Whole like hundreds of elk stampede over and down to the left. And he just turns to us. He's like, guys, I missed. He's like, I missed. And they were like, and he turns like, did you guys see anything? And I'm like, nah, man, I don't, we don't even know which elk you were shooting at, but there's definitely not an elk that went down. They all ran down the valley. So, you know, everyone's like, oh, oh my God. And he's like, yeah, man, I missed too. But, you know, and I'm just like, I have a live elk here that I'm feeling really bad about that I need to go take care of. Um, and they go over the hill, start glassing. So I rack another one. This is where it's stupid. I should have walked straight up to the elk and shot at point blank, right? Right. I didn't realize that like once it's spined, it kept trying to get up a little bit, but then it was immobilized. But right. I didn't, I was like afraid to spook it away onto private. So I racked another one. And that's a valid concern, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm about to, I'm in my shot sequence. I kid you not, dude, I'm in my shot sequence and an orange hat pops up in my crosshairs from the other side of the elk. In my crosshair, I'm not saying like in my shot picture, in my freaking crosshairs, dude, directly behind the elk as I'm finger on the trigger safety off. So I freak out. I, I take my hand off, put it in the, put the safety on. A hunter had come up from the south side of this position and was coming up the opposite side of the field. So obviously they came on private. It was a 10-year-old boy alone. 
10-year-old boy alone, he and his dad had split up to try two different trails. It was a 10-year-old boy. And I kid you not, there was probably at one point maybe six or seven guns aimed in his direction. Like it was terrifying. Like I was, I, I like when, when he walked by us, all of us were just kind of like, why is he alone? And oh my God. Like I, I was, I was very shaken up. Um, so shaken up that I get closer to this elk 50 yards, put my crossers on her phew, miss. Cause I didn't realize at 50 yards, that's not what the rifle zeroed to. So I shot clean over her back. And then finally, long story short, I've shot three ish times, finally point blank, put her down. And I'm just like, man, that wasn't really how I was expecting this to go. That was crazy. That was brutal. I'm like, I'm shaking, but there's an elk down and it's mine. And I'm allowing myself to like, feel that, that whole herd's stampeding up, up in private land. Everybody's got eyes on them. All the hunters start leaving the area and go to chase them. And I'm just like, all right, time for me to go home to my buddy's house, which was 400 yards away. And and get some pack out gear, get my buddy. He's a vet. He's going to help me, you know, teach me how to process it. We get the elk processed, but on the way out to getting that elk, we see, he's like, what's this blood trail? And I'm like, what do you mean? And sure enough, about a hundred yards away from where I was sitting with this group of hunters about the yardage of the herd, when it came by, there was a huge blood trail. And sure enough, there over the ridge is a dead elk. He's like, hey, man, I got a dead elk. And I'm like, well, it ain't mine. I never shot at anything that close. But I think Joel is already gone. I'm pretty sure I saw his truck drive away. This young guy, Joel, if you're listening to this podcast, you had a perfect double lung shot. And that elk only went 30 yards, 40 oh, yards, but just over the hill. So, so I'm like, dude, what do we do? And there's another hunter out there. And we're like, hey, like, once we're done processing our elk, let's call the game warden. And then like, we'll get him to come out. And then maybe we get to split the meat with this other hunter. And it's like, yep, that's a game plan. So we call Gary. We're like, Gary, get out here. Like, hopefully we're going to be able to get you meat. We're going to call the game warden, but just get out here because I'm sure a million people are going to try to clean this elk. Anyway, we go process my elk takes a few hours. Um, we leave on the way out, met at the trailhead by the game warden, uh, really nice guy that I had met a couple of days earlier who checked my license. We start talking to him. He's like, Hey man, I'm getting a report that there's a, there's like an unclaimed elk out there. And we're like, yeah, like the, our game plan was to call you and tell you about that. But there's, there is. Uh, and then I told him the whole story about like these hunters came up, this guy, Joel, he took a shot. He said he missed. Um, I missed two in the morning and I took him out and showed him the whole scene. And like, it, luckily it was all in the snow. So like, oh yeah, I was sitting right here. Joel's boots are here. Here, you know, all the evidence was there. We go look at my elk. We come back again. This is three hours after seeing that elk. We follow the blood trail down. And he's like, hey, take me to where the elk is. So I'm taking him, following the blood trail, and it's not there. The elk is gone. The second elk, uh, the unclaimed elk is gone. And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, something's, something's wrong here. Something feels really weird. Like, I don't know what it is. And he's like, hey, man, I think it's over here. And it had been dragged down the hill, fully processed, completely butchered. And I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, also, check this out. There's another dead elk, two dead elk, both fully processed, completely cleaned and butchered. And I'm just like, I'm melting. I'm like, officer, I have no idea. I have no idea what has happened, but I did not know there were two elk down here and I did not clean these elk. I am completely dumbfounded. He's, he's like, Hey, I understand. 
obviously I knew these two elk were down here and I needed to get your story. Okay. Because these, this was called in. Someone said there were two dead elk on the hill that no one had claimed for a few hours. Uh, so that's why I'm here. I'm investigating. And I'm just like, Oh my God. So we go look at the first one and I explain like this one is definitely this guy, Joel's who was next to me. And then we go to the other one and he's just like, Hey, tell me about this one. And I'm like, well, officer, the first thing I'm going to say is that this elk is enormous. This is what I imagine a lead cow looks like. And he's like, yeah. And he shows me the teeth and he shows me the, you know, the maturity of the animal. And I'm like, I'm like, officer, because he's just sitting there. He's like, hey, what do you think happened? And I'm just like, officer, like I'm about to start crying right now. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like devastated, but I, I'm not going to BS you. Uh, if I was a third party, based on the story that I told you, uh, there is a chance that I shot two elk this morning. And the second elk that came back over that exact same spot, the only elk that I saw cross this field after the whole morning of glassing, there must have been another elk. And I shot two of them. And sure enough, the first elk, the lead cow, which we probably determined, it means there's nothing 100% guaranteed, but I admitted like, hey, this is probably what happened. Right. Lead cow, perfect double lung shot right? Shouldn't have doubted myself. Uh, it was a perfect double lung shot. And the only explanation and the thing that I just couldn't get over was the fact that I watched those elk the entire morning from the first sign of light. And there was only one elk that crossed that field. I guarantee there's impossible for an elk to have slipped by me without me seeing it based on the trajectory, based on the lay of this land. And the only explanation, uh, and one that I, you know, I'm just so humbled by, is that there was already an elk or a herd down on the other side of this field, and one broke away and came back up to investigate where she saw the initial cow run from. Um, so, long story short, long story short, um, and it still we'll have a longer part to it. Is a, uh, you know, I, I fully admitted to the officer. I'm like, officer, like I, I think I've made a, a huge mistake here. Um, I mean, based on the evidence and based on where this elk is laying compared to the other elk, I don't think it was Joel shooting. I don't think Joel shot through and, and got two. like, this is where my elk should have died had I investigated. But when I went to investigate and she came back over the ridge and I turned to every, like we were all in agreement, and I was in agreement that that was the elk that I had missed coming back over the ridge to rejoin the herd. And I shot that elk. And it, it looks like I might've killed two elk, sir. And he, you know, we go back to the trailhead and he, you know, like, I'm just like, I'm devastated. I'm like, am I going to lose my hunting license for forever? Like, am I going to jail? Like, I'm like, I didn't cry, but man, I mean, like I was, I'm still freaking depressed talking about it. And also why are the elk gone? Like, why are they cleaned? Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, he goes back, he talks me through it. He, he, you know, he takes some time to process the evidence, write everything down. He writes a full report. I think he calls his superior stuff like that. And then he eventually meets back up with me. Um, and I'm just like, man, I don't like, I'll own it. I'll own every, every bit of it. Like I made a huge, huge mistake and I will own, if it means jail time, if it means fine, like I will own every bit of it. Cause I'm not running from this. Like this is, and that's why I, reached out to you, Dan. I was like, podcast now. Um, thankfully, the CPW officer, um, he agreed. He understood my story. He, he didn't think I was lying. He didn't think I had any malicious intent. So he only gave me a warning for the big one, which is illegal take. 
um, because obviously that's what happened by the book. But he did write me a ticket fully just, I mean, everything was fully justified, but he wrote me a ticket for failure to investigate the scene of where an elk was shot at. I didn't know that was a thing. That's a, that's a thing. That is a law. If you fail to investigate where immediately, if you fail to immediately investigate where you have taken a shot, that is a violation and a fine. And I got 15 points on my license as well. Um, so, and I mean? owned it and it was a hundred percent. And he basically explained to me, it's like, when you take a shot, uh, you must investigate the scene, even if you think you missed. And if Joel, who's long gone, we don't know where he is. If he had done the same thing, he would have found his elk. If I had done the same thing and not gotten wrapped up in this narrative of, oh, that's the same elk coming back over and let the guy say, take another shot, man, she's yours. Like if I wasn't so wrapped up in this story, I would have easily gone to the, to the area that I shot this elk and be like, oh, wow, perfect shot on the lead cow. It's down there. But I failed to do that and I deserved every bit of it. And, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm incredibly humbled and thankful for the CPW officer being a human and seeing me as a, you're a beginner hunter, you messed up. I'm going to find you. You're going to get points in your license. So if I mess up again, I'm out for a while, but I assure you, I'm never going to mess up again like that. I will never let the ego of, I need to put meat down. I will never let the, like, if I take a shot, I'm investigating that shot before I ever release another arrow or shoot another bullet. Uh, the only exception would be if that elk never leaves my line of sight. But the fact that that elk dipped down, left my line of sight and came back, I should have been like, even though I would have bet everything I owned, I would like, you could have held a gun in my head and be like, is that the same elk? And I'd be like, uh-huh, yeah. right? But because it left my sight, then technically I, it's impossible to know that's the same one. And uh, yeah, man, huge lesson learned. So that's, that's my story. So what's the points thing that you keep mentioning? They took, they add points or take away points. What's that? So it's like, it's actually for all, all hunting licenses contingent in all the U S states. If you get 20 points on your license, then you have a, uh, a trial basically. And then uh, the judge this the, I think the, um, the wildlife officer judge bans your license, your hunting license in all states from one to five years. And there's also a pretty hefty fine that comes with it. I think it's like, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So it's like uh, driving points. Like you get license suspended and it's your driver's license everywhere. Well, it's the same thing with hunting, which I'm like, man, that's a, that's a really great thing. Like that's for like for poachers and people who do repeat offenders. Like it's yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I understand the reciprocity. I get all that. Um, yeah, that's within five years. So five years, there's a five-year window. If you accumulate 20 points in a five-year window, then you ought, you have an automatic suspension period from one to five years. Okay. I get it. Your story sucks as far as I just feel your pain. I feel your pain of that's just a real shitty feeling to do something. Well, your intentions were good. The perfect storm the one thing I keep coming back to is the peanut gallery behind you. Yeah. I, I wish you'd been by yourself the whole time. Yeah. I, but I, but I, I shouldn't, I should have been, I should have been more adamant about like, Hey guys, I already shot once. Like she's like, she's yours. Even if it's the one I shot at, um, I shot and I had, I'd have no, I like, I assume I missed. Uh, but yeah, it was all so fast. It's like, I didn't have enough time to, to think logically about is it. like, I was trying to be the most ethical person I could be. And it wound up not being the case. Um, 
But the thing I did was I just told the freaking truth, man. Like I, I told the truth to the wildlife officer. I didn't try to bend the story. I didn't try to blame it on someone else. I didn't like, I told him how many shots I fired. I told him the whole story and I was, I was ready to own everything, man. I was ready to go to jail. Like, but thankfully he, he, he understood the story. He corroborated the story with others. And, um, I'm really lucky to be in a position where I can still hunt. And so when you guys were butchering up the cow that you, the second cow, who went and butchered the other two? So that drove me crazy. He writes me the ticket. We talk. And then I go to my buddy Justin's house with a big sigh of relief, but also just like, what a morning. I'm like mentally, physically depleted. <clears throat> so he, I think uh, the officer ends up calling his superiors saying, hey, is this case, like, are we, are we good? Am I allowed to tell them what happened? Because I, I, I kept saying like, man, like we got to find who poached this meat. Like, I know I'm a, I'm a horrible person right now, but like someone came and poached these meat these two elk out from under everyone's noses. Like we didn't see anything and it must've been a whole team of people. He eventually like came back and told me that the people who had called it in were also requesting if they could come claim the elk. So he, or CPW in general had written them certificates to harvest the elk. So they were able to, without a hunting license, I think it was just a harvest certificate. They hold the whole family came up and cleaned both of the elk. So it went to a family who, who lives by the elk herd. So I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. It wasn't poachers at all. Okay. And so you got to keep your meat. I did. And this is just a good platform to get this story out. I definitely don't, I don't hunt with rifles. And so Man, it was scary out there. It was I don't, like a war zone. I, I guess that makes sense. If you squeeze the trigger, you got to go investigate. That's a law. I didn't know it was a law. I knew it was like a, best practice for sure. Now, you know that. Um, but out of everything you told me, dude, shit happens when you're hunting and, and, you know, unintended consequences do happen, but the 10 year old kid separated from his dad, that stings me. I am not letting that happen to my son. When I take him hunting, no matter what I needed to hear this because I could see myself being that dad being like, okay, son, you're 10 years old. Cause my dad did this stuff to me. He's, he literally would be like, go this way. And I'm going that way and then we'll meet back up. And I remember being scared, but it was so good for me at age 10 to go hunt by myself and have my dad trust me. And I didn't want to let him down that pressure, but, uh, I don't know, Ben, that freaked me out. That just freaked me out. It freaked, imagine, imagine like one, I got freaked out. Cause and I'm, when I say crosshairs guys, I can't emphasize how much I mean the crosshairs. Like this person was, I'm about to shoot this elk in the head. And the person is directly behind the elk's head. Like, obviously, you know, a couple hundred yards past it. He wasn't right next to it, but he was still in my crosshairs. Right. And that freaked me out. And then the fact that when this, this what I assumed was a dude, walks up the trail, it's a 10-year-old boy, man. I was just like, oh, my. And I hadn't even, I didn't even know that I had shot two elk at that point. But, like, I almost, I mean, like, man, that could have been a really, really bad morning for a lot of people. Um, and I'm just... Yeah, I'm really, I'm very thankful and humbled with the way everything turned out. And uh, yeah, whew, don't ever separate from your, I don't, I actually think that's a law too. Like, I don't think that was allowed at all. Um, mm -hmm. So don't separate from your kid, especially during rifle season, man. Oh my God, that was scary. The amount of, the amount of bullets, the amount of bullets that went his direction and the amount of guns at one point that were aimed in his direction is such a scary thought that again, I just, rifle season is, not really for me.
And I, I don't know if I'll do it again next year. If I do, I'm probably just going to force myself to ignore the herds that are around everyone and just go deep. Even if I don't see a single elk, like I just, I can't, I can't deal with it, that amount of people, man. That was, that was really stressful. And uh, overall, like I, I'm just super humbled and thankful that it worked out the way that it did. And I'm paying the fine and I, you know, I admit to the fault and I'm just, I'm thankful for everyone involved. Yeah, I really appreciate you being open and transparent and the truth is always enough that actually saved your ass. You could have made some fairy tale up. It would have been difficult to remember your lies, whereas the truth, you can remember it because it happened and it's just enough. I'm so proud of you, man. Um, well, moving forward in a positive light, what what's one thing you're going to probably modify on your elk hunting plans for 2023? based on this year kind of want to end the podcast with what's your crystal ball what's your what are you looking at what are you scheming yeah um i think this year i'm, I'm probably this is my maybe my last year of otc colorado because then i'll have enough points to kind of do like a nice point rotation but um definitely i'm probably going deep early season and then once the pressure gets back there and the muzzle loaders come in then I'm, I'm probably going to pull out and, and, and road hunt a little bit quicker, meaning like be mobile, lots of, of mobile and, and find herds that other people have pushed down, pushed up. Like I, I will admit everyone, we found elk a lot lower than you're supposed to find elk. And I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, but that's why we were the only people there. And uh, that, that's my game plan is, I mean, really, if I can repeat this season, I would, because of the amount of encounters we had, I would just be a little bit more patient with my individual encounters. <clears throat> Gary and I are going to get better at making sure we get our ranges right. And uh, honestly, I know that if we, if we keep putting ourselves that close to the elk, it's going to be successful. Um, and I just, I can't wait. I'm, I'm just, man, it was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows so many times over, but uh <laughs> Gary and I's relationship is definitely strengthened. It's been through the ringer. I don't think there's anyone else I could spend that much time with and not kill them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my game plan for next season. And uh, we'll just continue to get better, continue to do just like I did when I was a professional fisherman. Like I would, I would do unconventional things to like get away from crowds or like to test out theories and sure enough, like that's what got us into elk this year. So I'm hoping to continue that trend. Ben, I admire your, I don't know what the word is for it, but it's just, we're cut from the same cloth. I, you're all or none. And you, I completely understand your obsession with elk hunting. And I find you very fortunate to be an elk hunter, myself included. Guys, check out Ben. If you are new to CrossFit, please go to wadprep.com and check out all his programs and skill building stuff. Check out their Instagram. Pretty damn funny content. I love your guys' content. Great follow and uh, appreciate your support, Ben. And uh, separations in the preparation, y'all. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.